0: How are you doing? I hope you're having a great day. Whatever the day is, I hope it's a great day for you. My name is Sean Barkley. I'm glad to have you along for the next 15 or 20 minutes as we talk about how to live wisely and faithfully in God's wonderful but yet very broken and fallen world. And so it's always good to have that conversation. What we're going to talk about this week and really for the next several weeks is the book of Hebrews. And I, I just want to try to take that very difficult book and apply it to our lives today. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. It was somebody in the apostolic community. It was maybe Paul or Barnabas, Apollos. We're not sure who it was. We're not even sure when exactly it was written. We believe it was written probably 65 AD. We know it was likely written before the fall of Jerusalem, which was in the year 70 AD. But here's what we do know. The author of Hebrews was concerned that many in the Christian community were really struggling with their faith. And he was saying to them, God wants you to see Christ in a whole new light, in a whole new way. And that'll keep your faith strong and vibrant and alive. I was thinking about seeing people and things in a whole different light. And I'm reminded of when I met my wife. So we met on a blind date. Have you ever been on a blind date? Very awkward, but it, it was good. I picked her up on a Saturday. We went to brunch. We had a good time. Took her to Lowe's and I bought a tree on our first date which shows what kind of romantic I am. And she stuck with me for whatever reason. She will say that we had nine dates before I ever showed any romantic interest in her. I don't think that's true. I think it's closer to seven. But whatever it is, nine, seven, it was a lot of dates. And she would tell her friends, I don't know if Sean wants to be my boyfriend or my pastor. And truth is, I didn't know if I wanted to be either at that point. But we continued to date, but it all changed one day. I began to see her in, entirely, in an entirely different light the day she came to the church where I was the pastor. I had never seen her in a setting like that. And I saw her for the first time in worship, the first time in, in God's house. I saw her for the first time singing and praying. I probably was peeking at her when I was praying. And interacting with the people in the community of faith. And a switch went off inside of me, and I just realized there's really something significant and wonderful here that I don't want to lose. But it all began when I started to see her in a totally different light in the context of worship. Have you ever had that experience, maybe even in your faith, where suddenly something happens and it clicks, and you begin to see the significance of Christ and the significance of being a part of the body of Christ in a whole new way? This is what the author of Hebrews was hoping for and praying for and writing for when he wrote this letter. You see, the people in the early church that he was addressing had lived in a certain system of religious activity for 1,500 years almost. For nearly 1,500 years, the Hebrew people followed a system of ceremonial laws that were passed down from generation to generation. And it involved certain sacrifices, certain festivals, and certain rituals that was deeply ingrained inside of them. And now suddenly, with this new experience of God's new covenant of grace in Christ, they're living a whole different life, a whole different way. And they were starting to see that these old habits were hard to break. And so their faith was starting to wane. Beyond that, they also experienced a number of family pressures. Those who were a part of the Christian community were essentially ostracized from their Hebrew families, which had financial and sociological and familial implications. And so that was hard for them. They suddenly didn't have that support system they once had. And finally, the Hebrew people were given legitimacy and protection by the Roman Empire. So, remember, Palestine was governed by the Roman Empire, it was a part of that empire. And for, for a variety of reasons, the Roman emperor gave legitimacy to the Hebrew people and gave the Hebrew people protection. Well, now, those followers of Jesus did not have that legitimacy and they did not have that protection. And so there were a bunch of people in the early church who were just saying, I'm going to go back to the way it was before. It wasn't so bad, it wasn't that hard. In fact, it was probably pretty good. You see, this new life is is more difficult. Well, have you ever found yourself struggling to persevere in your faith commitment to Christ? Have you ever found yourself experiencing a waning of your faith where suddenly you don't feel the strength, you don't feel the power, you don't feel the joy or the peace, all the things that have been promised to us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought, okay, I'm I'm called to love God. I'm called to worship. I'm called to serve God by serving others. I'm called to give sacrificially of my resources. I'm called to support and care for those who are hurting with calls and visits and meals. Man, that's a lot. Maybe it would be easier just to kind of do my own thing. Maybe it'd be easier just to live for myself. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you're there right now. I think there are a lot of people in our culture who are there right now. There was a study that was released a couple years ago by the Barna Group, and the Barna Group studies religious life in America. And it was discovered that more than 30% of all Americans are essentially outside the Christian faith and outside the Christian community. And that number is rapidly increasing. And so in every state, a large group of people was surveyed or surveyed and they were asked basic questions like you know bible reading and prayer and worship attendance and belief in god belief in christ and and giving monetarily and what was discovered was that 30% plus and really rapidly increasing of all americans say i don't in any way define myself or identify with any of those things i am totally outside the faith and totally outside the Christian community. And so there were certain cities in the top 100 largest metro areas in this country where well over 50% of the people said, I'm I'm not a part of all that. Boston, for example, was one of those cities where nearly 60% of all respondents said, I do not in any way identify myself as being a follower of Jesus, trusting Jesus Christ, or being part of the body of Christ. And so what we're seeing is, It's becoming easier and easier to fall away. It's actually becoming the norm. And so a lot of us are kind of being swept up in all that, I think. A lot of us are saying, my faith is lagging and I'm really too busy for that. I had a conversation this week with a a leader in the church I serve, great guy, I love him. And we were just talking about faith and talking about struggling. And he asked me, when do you struggle or do you struggle? And I said, I struggle a lot. My relationship with God is, is, is alive and vibrant, but boy, I have my moments when I really have a, have a tough time. And I was trying to identify when is it that I find myself struggling the most and my faith lagging, and it occurred to me, these things occur when I'm tired. For me, when fatigue walks in to my life, faith walks out of my life. What about you? Well, the writer of Hebrews recognized this was what was going on among the people. And so he wrote to encourage them. I just want to work our way through some passages in chapter 1 just to think about some of the things he had to say. And so here you go. If you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 1, you can't get any earlier than than verse 1, the very beginning. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times, and in various ways. So he's establishing with them, okay, in the past, God spoke to us in a lot of different ways. I mean, think about the Old Testament. If you have not read it, God spoke to his people in a lot of different ways: dreams, through prophets, through angels, through loud voices, through quiet voices. God wrote on walls, God th- spoke through burning bushes, God spoke through the mouth of a donkey, through nature, stars, sky. God spoke in various ways. But then in verse two, he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And the word by can also be translated in. The writer's saying God literally, all these different ways he spoke, but in these last days, he spoke in Jesus. God not only revealed himself by what Jesus said and did, God revealed himself in the person of Christ himself. And he uses the term in these last days to indicate that Jesus is it. He's the beginning and the end. And so let's step back for a minute and think about this. How do you and I know God? How do you know God? I mean, if you ask that question on Google, there are over 86 million responses to how to know God. Some of us, I think, kind of typically who are outside of any kind of religious affiliation at this point in our lives, would say, well, I kind of know God through nature. And certainly in the Bible, we read where God does reveal himself in nature. Beautiful psalm. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. That's soaring, beautiful language. We do know God through nature. But think on this. Talked with a buddy of mine on Thursday. lives in Hilton Head. We were talking about Hurricane Dorian and the power of the storm. If the natural world is all we know about God, and all we know of God, then we see God's beauty, we see God's majesty, we see God's power. You know, we also see a lot of destruction, a lot of death, a lot of loss of property, a lot of poor people in the Bahamas losing everything, and they didn't have much to lose, and a lot of arbitrariness. Is that a word, Arbitrary. A lot of, it's just arbitrary. Why did the hurricane hit here and not hit there? Well, the God that is revealed in Christ is much different from that. And so we learn more about God in Christ. If you and I are relying, let me just say directly, if you are relying on nature to teach you about God, it is highly incomplete. And so let's just look at what the writer of Hebrews says to those people. Okay, I know your faith is lagging, and God spoke in all these different ways, but here's why he spoke in Christ. Verse 2, he says, You know, after he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. Jesus is the heir of all things. He's unique. He's exclusive. He's not just a higher level of human being. And also he was there and he participated in creation. This is not just some prophet or regular guy. This is something entirely different. Now, in the third and fourth centuries, there was a criticism that was given birth against the church. I don't know, not given birth, you know what I mean. There there were people who criticized the early church in the third and fourth century, saying that the church was elevating Jesus to something greater than he was or greater than he ever claimed to be in order to gain status among those ancient religions. But remember, these words that you and I just read, that you just heard, were written by some who saw Jesus, who encountered him you know, 30 years after his death. And so this was not written to just elevate the faith. It was written to encourage the faithful. And so let's keep going. What else does he say about who this Jesus is? The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. We see God's glory. Jesus is an exact representation. The language used there is like the minting of a coin. So I'm holding in my hands a quarter right now. Is this quarter a replica of a quarter or is it a quarter? No, it's a quarter. Jesus is not just a replica of God. Jesus is God. God's imprint is, is on him. And then he continues on. I know we're reading a lot of Bible, but it's a great book. After he provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus provided purification for our sins. That is so important to think about because you and I are broken in one way or another. We all are. How does your brokenness in life become redeemed? How does your brokenness get repaired? We're too broken to do it ourselves. You are too broken to heal yourself. I am too broken to heal myself. Can a surgeon put himself or herself to sleep and perform surgery to repair his or her body? No. And in the same way, I don't care how many volumes of self-help books you read and how, how many I read, and I've read a ton of them, The Power of Positive Thinking and things like that. It doesn't matter how many we've read. There's no way we can heal ourselves. Christ did it. And the people needed to be reminded of that. You see, the Hebrew people, remember, they had that system of sacrifices, and some of them made sacrifices literally every day to cover their sins. But those sacrifices were never complete, and they always had to make another sacrifice afterward. That system of sacrifices was merely a picture of what God would ultimately do for us in Christ. and So that's what he's done. And in the text I just read to you says, After he had provided purification for our sins, made that once-for-all sacrifice, he sat down. In other words, it was over. Jesus said, it's finished. I'm I'm done with that. You know, I I like to mow grass. And when I mow grass, when I'm done, I sit down. I don't sit down after five minutes of mowing and then mow for five minutes and sit down again. I, I, I sit down when I'm done. So think about that image. Jesus literally sat down. He said, it's finished. I have made purification for your sins. So don't be losing your faith. And then finally, one more. He became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to them. Angels were superior beings to humans. The law was given to Moses through angels. And the writer of Hebrews is just making sure the people know, hey, he's better than that too. And so here's the idea. This is, I know this is a lot, and I mean, I can, I'm almost out of breath right now. But here's the idea. Christ offers you and me a different type of life. He offers you and me a different type of forgiveness. He offers you and me a different type of redemption. He offers you and me a different type of eternity. I'm going to call this series I'm working on Better Than. Because over and over in the book of Hebrews... We read that Jesus is better than the prophets. He is better than the angels. He is better than all the sacrifices. He is better than our own efforts to save, repair, and justify ourselves. He is better than all those things. And so you and I are invited to see him in an entirely different light. If you find yourself among those who say, my faith is waning, My commitment to Christ and to the body of Christ, the Christian community, is not nearly as strong as it once was. Stick with me and read the book of Hebrews. Every week we'll talk about a passage. Because in this we're going to see that Jesus is better than anything else we could ever turn to. So there you go. Week number one in the books. My hope and prayer is that you have an awesome, awesome day and week. And weekend, whatever it might be. And I look forward to seeing you again soon or hearing from you.